Good morning. Can, welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton, where we are celebrating our first annual International Women's Day. It's been going on for a long time. <laughs> My name is Yvonne Miro, and I will be co-leading this service along with Audrey Brooks. And we will also hear from one of our esteemed members, Ruth Patrick. The Unitarian Universalist Church is a creedless community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We embrace a pluralist philosophy, opening our hearts and minds to the diverse ideas, feelings, and expressions of our world community whatever your heritage, whatever your faith, whomever you love, you are welcome here today. We acknowledge with respect that we are located on Treaty 6 territory. We are all people of the treaty. Traditionally, it's been a gathering place for many indigenous peoples, including Cree, Blackfoot, Dene, Métis, as well as many others whose lives and cultures were significantly impacted by the destructive effects of colonialization by settler populations. By participating fully and actively in the truth and reconciliation process, we hope to tear down barriers between peoples and begin to build a relationship of respect and understanding. And today, on International Women's Day, we acknowledge that we have much to learn from First Nations tradition, where women are equal members of society. We all have a role to play in creating this community. We cherish our friendships and strive to open our hearts and circles of friendships to include newcomers and each other through a regular practice of radical hospitality, which I spoke about last week. We acknowledge all of those who work on behalf of this community, including our volunteers, who help make this church and this service today run so smoothly. Their names are listed in today's order of service. We ask that you take a moment now to ensure that your cell phones or other things that beep are silenced so that we can enjoy the service together. Please join us after the service for coffee, tea, and conversation. And if you are new here, please visit our newcomer table where you can sign up for our email newsletter if you wish. We hope that you find something meaningful in our service today. We open now with a musical prelude in the spirit of International Women's Day. I was a shy and lonely girl With the heavens in my eyes And as I walked along the lane 
I heard the echoes of her cries. I cannot fight. I cannot a warrior be. It's not my nature nor my teaching. It is the woman who a lost and angry youth there were no tears in my eyes I saw no justice in my world only the echoes of her cries I cannot fight I cannot a warrior be it's not my nature nor my teaching. It is the woman who in me. I am an older woman now, and I will heed my own cries, and I will a fierce warrior be, till not another and my duty it is the woman who in me I can and will fight I can and will fight I can and will a warrior be it is my nature and my duty it is the sister who invite our warrior woman, Ruth Patrick, who's been an advocate for women's rights and for all kinds of things in our Canadian um, mosaic to come and light the candle. I invite you to read with me the words in your order of service. The light will never go out in our churches as long as there are people in it to keep the fires of faith, justice and equality burning. This flame is lit to symbolize a determination to face continuing challenges against the rights of women, to have freedom from violence, freedom of choice and reproductive rights, justice and equality in all aspects of our work and personal lives. We who contribute mightily to the world are powerful women and allied men who can speak the truth we know how to create new realities for women in the world. Thank you, Ruth. And now we have the candle lighting of the youth chalice, chalice lighting. Please come forward. I invite you to leave while we sing you out. <laughs>
Now, if you will turn to 1026 in the small, I say green, but everybody else's teal blue books. But I'm entitled to my opinion because I'm a woman. <laughs> if every woman in the world I invite you to stand as you're able. reading taken from a t-shirt that I wore in the 1980s. Actually from a leaf litter poster produced by the National Union of Students in London, UK. Because women's work is never done and is underpaid or unpaid or boring or repetitious, and we're the first to get fired. And what we look like is more important than what we do. And if we get raped, it's our fault. And if we get beaten, we must have provoked it. And if we raise our voices, we're nagging bitches. And if we enjoy sex, we're nymphos. And if we don't, we're frigid. And if we love women, it's because we can't get a real man. And if we ask our doctor too many questions, we're neurotic. And if we expect childcare, we're selfish. And if we stand up for our rights, we're aggressive and unfeminine. And if we don't, we're typical weak females. And if we want to get married, we're out to trap a man. And if we don't, we're unnatural. Because we can't be, and because we still can't get adequate, safe, contraceptive, but men can walk on the moon, 
and for lots and lots of other reasons. I am part of the women's liberation movement. This was written in the 1970s. And there are copies available at the back if you wish to have one. And now it's time for Andrew. Hello, folks. We'll start by singing the hymn of the month, which is here together. And it's in the handout. It's in your order of service. And we'll sing through it twice. Thank you. That's lovely. I want to talk about giving your church an allowance. You know, I remember back when I was a little kid, and every Saturday my dad would give me my allowance. I was like, ooh. And it got to the point where I'd actually start looking forward to it because I knew that once I had my allowance, I could go out and do stuff, right? So our church is kind of like that. We look forward to getting our allowance every month. And we do that through our pre-authorized deposits. And so right now we have about 65 people that give pre-authorized deposit to the church. That's about half of all the people that pledge to the church. And I'd like to just talk to the folks that give a check once a year or a couple times a year. If we could actually talk about, would you consider please this year moving to a pre-authorized donation? Uh, it really does help. It helps us with our payroll. It helps us uh, know what our income is going to be through the, through the summer. Uh, it helps us just, just level out our finances. About half of all our donations to the church come through pre-authorized deposits. And uh, I'd like to increase that this year. I'd like to uh, get more people doing pre-authorized deposits. So, it's Canvas Month. So by the end of the month, you're going to take our Here Together, and you're going to fill out the handily located on the other side of the paper pledge form that just says this is what I would like to give this year to UCE and just fold this up put it in the collection plate and then you'll be done our church is entirely self-governing and self-supporting one of our chosen responsibilities of our Unitarian tradition is to provide financial support from among ourselves to support the work of this church community. Additionally, we also make a monthly commitment beyond our walls to the wider community. One half of the unidentified cash that is received is given to an outside organization. In the month of March, we are supporting the International Council of Unitarian Universalists, a network of Unitarian groups around the world which brings Unitarian leaders together to learn, share resources, develop leadership, inspire and support each other. 
the ICUU programs connect people across the world to support growing communities to, and to lend a hand in times of need, and to encourage the development of liberal religion by nurturing fledgling UU groups. If you wish to receive a tax donation for your gift, please use the envelopes from the back of the Gray Hymn Book to indicate your contact information. Many of our members and friends, as Andrew said, give regularly through automatic withdrawals. The ushers will now accept the offering. Thank you for your generous donations. We will now sing together from You I Receive as the ushers bring up the offering. about to sing number 109 in the big hymn book as we come marching, marching.
I'd like to invite Ruth Patrick to come forward and give a presentation. And I want to say that she is a bell ringer to calling all women together to be who they can be within the context of the Canadian uh, mosaic. Ruth. It's my privilege this morning to speak on behalf of the Canadian Unitarian Universalist Women's Association. As a founding member of that association, I'm taking the liberty, I am taking the liberty, of sharing some of my memories of its development from the idea to active organization. Well, it starts with beginning a member of the fellowship that led to the founding of this church in 1954. And we had a women's alliance in those days, but our support mainly came from the Unitarian the American Unitarian Association, where they um, were very helpful and we were very busy growing because by 1961, we had got enough Canadian societies interested in the idea that we formed the Canadian Unitarian Council. About the same time, the Unitarian organization and the Universalist organization in the United States also united and formed the Unitarian Universalist Association. Well, that altered things here in Canada, and particularly in Western Canada, because all of a sudden we were a district of the UUA from the from the BC border to the headwaters of the, it's, I'm at the age and stage where names, forgive me. Anyway, Lakehead, from Lakehead. And we were united in what was called the Prairie Star of the UUA, and we had an elected district. Within a few years, that organization changed and we became a solely Canadian area from the Lakehead to the BC-Alberta boundary, and we had a connected board that uh, helped us all. In 1985, a couple of women from uh, that district went to a, an annual general meeting of the Unitarian Universal Association in the States and came back inspired to get a group of women together across these prairie provinces. So in 1986, the very first gathering of women occurred at St. Michael's Retreat House in Lumsden, Saskatchewan. There were a tremendous group. There, a great number of them came from this church. I think of Elaine Roberts, Dorothy Keeler, Helen Reddy, Florence Campbell, women who you all may remember. That group was focused on helping us learn and grow together. And I have to tell you that my experience in the 23 or 4 years in which it was active, I watched a lot of young women learn about organizing, doing things, and growing, and going back into their home churches and being strengths in that congregation. That's what it's all about for us. 
around um, 2006 and seven, there was a shift. The CUC was separating from the UUA and it was becoming a purely Canadian organization. So our district was no longer in existence. Now we belong to a part of the Canadian Unitarian Circle, but it was organized differently. But we worried, how were we going to get uh, charitable receipts for the donations that we'd had at the gathering? And so you know, we began pushing in the gathering to find out how to join with the CUC. We learned we had to have a constitution. Betty Donaldson and I offered to write that constitution. It was later approved by the gathering. And that was not quite enough. But we remember there was a, a group in Halifax that had been in existence a long time. They'd printed a book about Canadian, notable Canadian UU women. And there was also a, a group meeting out on the island. And so we pushed them to join with us in becoming a national organization, which really was necessary for us if we were to have any kind of a relationship with the Canadian Unitarian Council. So in 2010, there was a very energetic meeting at the CUC annual meeting of women, and they made, laid the preparation for a major meeting in Toronto in, at the annual general meeting in 2011. And at that meeting on May 21st, we passed a motion to apply to the CUC for associate status for the newly founded and named Canadian Unitarian Universalist Women's Association. And that was the end, culmination of a lot of work by a lot of people. It isn't easy to shift gears in some organizations. I don't think Canadian Unitarians were very different. So we've, this, in that organization, we still strive with, to provide programs and education. This had formerly been received from the Unitarian Universalist Women's Federation, which had been marvelously good at programs. And we felt that we wanted that to happen in Canada. In fact, years before, when they shifted their focus from uh, education into a more lobbying group, Betty Donaldson had been the last Canadian board member and had approached the CUC about a woman's program pro organization. So here, finally, we had got to that place. So we strive continuously to promote women's the awareness of the achievements of women. And it's always important for us to acknowledge the work of the famous five. Emily Murphy, Nellie McClung, Henrietta Muir Edwards, Irene Parlby, and Louise McKinney. Because of the hard battle they fought, women are recognized as persons under Canadian law. They opened the doors to women serving in the Senate and the judiciary of Alberta which caused legislation to be passed that improved the lives of women. And this has given future generations the impetus to consider, continue the work to achieve equality for women in all aspects of society. 
there were always good men there supporting us, and there continue to be good men still supporting us. Agnes Mathail, Canada's first women member of parliament, said, I don't want to be an angel in any home. I want for myself what I want for every other woman, absolute equality. After that is secured, then men and women can take turns being an angel. Emily Murphy of the Famous Five said, no woman can become or remain degraded without all women suffering. Gladys Strum, first woman leader of a provincial party in Saskatchewan, the Canadian Cooperative Federation said, I submit to the house that no one has ever objected to women working. The only thing they object to is paying the women to work. <laughs> Nellie McClung, member of the famous five and a Canadian suffragist said, never retreat, never explain, never apologize. Get the thing done and let them howl. <laughs> the point is made back then and it's made today. We can't take for granted that women's right, work for, on women's rights are done. There's so much more to do. Right-wing political groups are succeeding in rolling back hard-won legislation that protects women. We have a high-level anxiety still about abortion rights. Women still work in jobs where they're paid less than men who are working at the same level. And nurses and professionals are having, women are having their jobs cut, wages cut or their jobs eliminated. And more than anything, <clears throat> racial discrimination is so alive and well. With missing and murdered indigenous women at the forefront of murder and rape. Domestic violence seems to be acceptable today and swept under the table. And mothers and children both are traumatized. Yet for the most part, they are unable to find help or shelter. And those are scary truths. It appears that governments and law enforcement agencies have money to put in all kinds of programs, <clears throat> but they don't do anything but continue to make drastic cuts to social service programs for families such as affordable daycare, timely health care, and wholesale addiction treatment centers. I still have hope. I'm charmed and thrilled and excited when I see these young women out protesting and marching. They're, they are supporting each other demanding equality in all areas of society that affect their lives. Small gains can never be taken for granted. We have to take steps to ensure that they never stop exercising those rights and never allow them to be taken away. <clears throat> and I think that's why the CU, I like those initials rather than saying that long name out, so forgive me, CUUWA develops educational programs for women. I think those young women need to hear the stories of what has gone before and about the strong women that opened doors for them. And I trust they'll continue to challenge always the Canadian courts to ensure 
that women's rights are protected and supported. For those young women are the foremothers of the generations that will follow them. And I hope, wish them well. I am so delighted to watch them today. Thank you. I would never, never believe that I could push my dear friend. Oh my goodness. She's, she is a bellwether for all of us women. And you can see by her words that we have got her there. I have a bell over there I was going to ring, but it's too far away. So this is a presentation from all of the women in this church to you. And in the card there is an Arabic uh, saying, and it says, If to thee alone two loaves of bread are left, sell one and with the dough by hyacinths to feed your soul. Now, having visited you a few times, I don't remember seeing anything in the way of things that could provide the smell and odor that hyacinths would present. So I have chosen yellow mums, uh, the yellow for the sunshine that you bring, for the, uh, and I've never seen people plants that are not rooted, because you're one of the most rooted people that I know in your convictions and in your advocacy. So this is with love. And on the table are the names of many women on the other side of this church who are also uh, have been influenced by what you stand for. Thank you. You're, you're allowed to applaud. Now Yvonne, who presents the youth wing of the CUUWA, <laughs> will take us on our next trip to enlightenment. So, the sermon for International Women's Day, the first annual at this church. It is fitting that we have a service at UCE for International Women's Day. And I hope it will now be an annual service. As Unitarians, the issue of women's equality rights continues to be an essential part of our social justice work, as structures that underlie gender inequality also support all inequality and subordination. You can't fight one and not the other. As a very simple example, fighting for gay rights without intrinsic women's and race equality are simply rights for gay white men. Ruth's story about the CUUWA um, is important because it shows that even within the Unitarian Church, women have had to struggle to have their specific concerns heard. She has touched on quite a few of the things that I have talked about in my sermon as well, but I don't think it hurts to hear them more than once. Indeed, I have occasionally heard and seen non-support for women's issues within this community myself, and they've surprised and baffled me. Scoffing at gender-neutral language, for example. Women's rights today often get overlooked by other vitally important justices, as if they are complete and final. So it's important that we continue to make people aware 
that women's rights to date have been extremely hard won and they are not guaranteed. The fight for the right to w for women to vote in Canada, and some of this may be remedial for you, um, was granted federally in 1918 and not until 1940 in Quebec. So that was relatively not a long time ago. And it was a bitter, long fight that cost lives. Owning property or opening a bank account or credit card account, that, that took a little bit longer. I mean, that is without a man's permission. As did serving in the armed forces, keeping a job once married, or limiting one's own reproductivity without a husband's permission. Gender equality remains, in law and in practice, far from ideal, and is, con as in, is in constant danger of being eroded. Wage parity in Canada seems to take one step forward and two back. Yes, women are still earning 69 cents for every dollar that men make, according to the latest Status of Women report. While legal justice for victims of violence, among other issues, remain seemingly unattainable. We continue to have to march, rally, protest, and sign petitions to gain these so-called rights and to have them enshrined in law. And laws are easily rewritten or legislated, as we see here in Alberta and in many states to the south of us these days. As Ruth mentioned, women were not even recognized as persons in the Constitution in Canada until October 18, 1929, a date still celebrated today as Persons Day every October 18th. Five women from Alberta launched a legal challenge that would mark a turning point for gender equality rights in Canada. And anyone who still scoffs at gender-neutral language should take note of this. The British North America Act of 1867, which makes up the majority of our Constitution, used the word persons when referring in plural to people, and he a supposedly gender-neutral word, according to many opponents of gender-neutral language, for singular person. Many men in government, though, argued that only a man could be a person, which justified preventing women from participating in politics and other important positions. But since he is only sometimes a supposedly gender-neutral word, in this case, it was chosen to be read as only males by the governments of the day, thus excluding women as persons under the constitutional law. The highest court of appeal ruled this exclusion barbarous, saying, to those who would ask why the word person should include females, the obvious answer is, why not? Gender-neutral language is not seen by proponents of women's rights as superfluous, an extra that's optional. And I found this lovely quote, believe it or not, on Twitter. Gender-neutral language isn't about not offending people. It's about recognizing that our world is much more complex than we've been treating it. 
and it's about including those who have been excluded. Derek Rook. My own awakening to women's issues began with a gradual awareness that to be a girl was to not have the same opportunities or rights as my brothers. I grew up in a family dominated by a father who had strict gender roles and essentially raised me to adopt the gender roles of the 1920s. On top of that, my dad was a devout Roman Catholic of the pre-Vatican II flavor, despite the fact that I was being raised very much during the more liberal post-Vatican II pendulum swing. When my mother died when I was 14, my 16-year-old sister and I were expected to take on all the women's work. I guess that's in quotes. And um, of the household, groceries, cooking, cleaning, laundry, ironing our dads and our brothers, work shirts to their standards, while my brothers simply continued to be responsible for boys' work, which was taking out the garbage sometimes, shoveling and mowing the lawn. I was probably the only teenager in my high school to strip, wash, and wax the hardwood floors on a Saturday, or maybe not. As a preteen, I had thought of myself as a person, but I realized as a teenager that I was first seen as a woman, constricting the choices I could make, especially within my family, but also outside. Sure, there were safety issues to consider, but a lot of it was societal gender expectations. I had a growing sense of unease as I wrote a poem as a young woman raging against what I now understand are the forces of patriarchy. Yes, patriarchy, that vague term, we'll get to that. The poem, don't tell me who I am. I won't be defined by your definitions of who I should be, what I ought to do or not, and how I must feel. I won't be soothed by your dressed up lies that masquerade me as a real person when I have less freedom than a puppet and you have more than God. After a short and somewhat disastrous attempt at trying to be a modern 1950s woman in the 1980s, I started my undergrad in the newly available women's studies in 1989 at the University of Alberta. Well, not only did I discover that I wasn't the only female to feel the way I did, but there was a whole language, an epistemology, which is a theory of knowledge, that was available with which to make sense of it all. We all brought different experiences with common themes, and we learned that the personal is political in feminism and feminist scholarship. Research had demonstrated that the lives of and experiences of women had been ignored throughout recorded history, seen as unimportant. Women's contributions to the arts had largely been invisible for centuries, since men wouldn't condone or financially support female artists. Often the only way to be published or shown was to use a male pseudonym. I finally understood 
why there had been huge blank spaces about women's part in mankind's world and mankind's knowledge, canons of knowledge, all my life. Why I had to learn to edit myself in to literature, history, religion, and basically all the knowledge I received through my education. Feminist scholarship changed my life and the way I saw and interpreted the world. It gave me validation and my lifelong confusion about where are the women was answered. One of the first words I learned in, in women's studies, now called feminist or gender studies, was patriarchy. Patriarchy is an unjust, socially constructed, historical system based on inequality that affects every aspect of culture. Patriarchy is a very complex structure that places males, preferably white, at the pinnacle of power and allows them to subjugate others by sex, race, sexuality, religion, ability, age, class, and any other social category you can think of. Patriarchy is harmful to both men and women. It is not men versus women. There can be feminist men who support equality and women who support patriarchy, usually because they're enjoying secondary gains from it. There are also those who claim not to be feminist or gender equality focused, who are nevertheless enjoying the fruits of feminist battles while dissing feminism. Although patriarchy is set up to benefit men, particularly white men, it is essentially harmful to them in that they are under constant scrutiny of the artificial norms that the system of patriarchy sets forth. What feminism does is to disrupt these flawed systemic structures and in the process frees men from having to submit to their own gendered and binary existence. Feminism seeks to rid ourselves of archaic notions of gender, of gender based on whatever body parts you have, dictating how we should or shouldn't be. Patriarchy is also set up to enable men to be comfortable in and oblivious to their advantages and dominance, while never having to question the issues raised by women and other activists. What many equality rights activists would love to see is more men working alongside them to break down the barriers to inclusion and to protest against injustices, and not just women's rights. International Women's Day is not just about us here in Canada, though. Across the globe, there are huge issues of gender equality and justice. In many traditional cultures, there are the horrors of child marriage, what is essentially the legalized rape of, a, of girl children by older men, genital mutilation, marital rape and violence. Women are frequently under, under the control or ownership of a male relative or husband with few legal rights to their own freedoms. 
Some countries seem miles ahead of Canada when it comes to wage parity and equal opportunities for women, while in other countries, women still struggle for the right to vote or be educated. Our work as justice-seeking people is far from done when it comes to the status of women in this country and around the world. In the words of a poster that I have often come to mind, women will not be free until all women are free. In conclusion, while it was difficult to distill three years of feminist studies and an entire lifetime of experiences into one brief sermon, I had to limit comments on the supposed universality of language and history and science. I hope I've made clear to us why feminism is so fundamental to us as justice-seeking Unitarians. Thanks, and happy International Women's Day. Please join me now in the words that are printed in your order of service. We join with women and men to build a more just world for everyone. This means empowering women to take their rightful place in that world by challenging powers that would deny us. And those words are by Audrey. We now enter into the silence of meditation. took my hand I said I was a boy I'm glad he didn't share I learned to fly I learned to fight I lived a whole life in one night we saved each other's lives out on the pirate deck and I remember that night when leaving a late night with some friends and I hear somebody tell me it's not safe Someone should help me I need to find a nice man to walk me home When I was a boy I scared the pants off of my mom Climbed what I could climb up all along And I don't know how I survived I guess I knew the tricks that all boys knew More, more that's tight means more to see. 
help me climb a tree ten seconds flat when I was a boy. See that picture that was me, grass-stained shirt and dusty knees. And I know things they gotta change. They got pills to sell. They got implants to put in. They got implants to remove. But I am not forgetting that I was a boy too. And like the woods where I would creep. It's a secret I can keep Except when I'm tired Except when I'm being cut off Guard I've had a lonesome, awful day The conversation finds its way To catching fireflies out in the backyard And so I tell the man I'm with About the other life I lived And I say now you're top gun I have lost and you have won And he says, oh no, oh no, can't you see When I was a girl, my mom and I, we always talked And I picked flowers everywhere that I walked And I could always cry Now even when I'm alone, I seldom do The closing words are by my dear friend, Verna Pollock, who was the person who began the croning ceremonies in the Calgary church. I remember her as a harpist playing in the forest with uh, candles in ice cream pails around her at dusk. These are her words. We are daughters, mothers, grandmothers, friends. We are substance, vision, and wisdom carriers for all our relatives. Life taught us both sorrow and joy. Therefore, we hold life's greatest secrets in our hearts. We sing songs of family to whom we dedicate our lives. Each of the patterns we weave in our, on our looms tells their story, so it will be remembered. We know we never walk alone, for we are surrounded by ancestors whose teachings are passed to us in an, as new carriers of justice for those who come after us. So let it be. We'll sing Carry the Flame 
hold hands with one another or not, 